All right, well, good evening, everybody. Um, glad everybody's here tonight. Um, you know, last Wednesday night, um, just uh, one of the things I was really challenged by uh, when Pastor Zach was up here giving uh, the, the devotion, uh, in particular when he talked about uh, our faith and being able to uh, express our faith. But uh, I'm kind of paraphrasing what he said. Essentially, you know, could we express our faith in Scripture by using Scripture to express our faith? And you know, where do we turn uh, to show someone our faith? Where is it that we turn to read and refresh our faith, encourage our faith, and and even uh, and encourage a fellow believer as we're called to do from Scripture? And you know, even even more so, where where do we take uh, an unbeliever and and open up God's Word? To show them our faith, and and you know, just um, as I sat there thinking that over uh, prior to prayer time, I, you know, I started flipping through my Bible and looking at uh, some different uh, passages. Um, one was uh, Philippians two six to eight that says, "Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant." And coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even uh, the death of a cross. And then in Colossians 2.9, <clears throat> another scripture was, uh, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead uh, bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. And another one was uh, Hebrews 1.3, where it says, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things uh, by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. You know, those are scriptures that just, you know, come to mind uh, when, uh, you know, you think of when I'm thinking about my faith and I'm thinking specifically about Jesus Christ and who he is and what he has done and what he uh, continues to do and will do. And so, um, you know, those are all wonderful snapshots of our Savior. Those scriptures are all wonderful snapshots in whom we have full faith uh, by grace. And so there is one additional scripture that uh, I went to, and tonight that's where I kind of want to spend the bulk of it. Well, not bulk. The entirety of our time uh, together will be in this scripture. Uh, just some awesome truths about Christ and why my faith and your faith is firmly planted in Him and Him alone. Um, but uh, before we do that, uh, let's go ahead and and uh, open up in a word of prayer, and then we will uh, jump into uh, tonight's passage. Oh, Father, we do thank you and praise you. And Father, we are humbled uh, by uh, the gift of Christ, the obedience of Christ, the humility of Christ, the obedience uh, to death on the cross. Father, all because he longed to save his creation to himself. Father, he longed for us to be in harmony and unity with the Father so that we might one day see you face to face. And so, Father, we, we thank you for uh, the opportunity that we have to open up your word uh, just to rest in the truth of Scripture. Let us pray to be with us tonight as we do so. Uh, we just ask this in your Son's name. Amen. Okay, uh, if you would... Uh, turn to John 1, and John 1 is where um, we are going to spend 
the evening. And we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to end in verse 18 tonight. Uh, and uh, tonight, as um, I'm planning on reading uh, through verse 18, you know, my, my goal uh, tonight is just to kind of scratch the surface um, of this section of Scripture, grab a few truths from it as a way to encourage your faith, uh, and also provide you with a few things to dig further into on your own. Uh, it is very fair to say that you could spend months on one verse of John chapter 1 and, and just digging and digging and digging and digging. Uh, so uh, tonight, um, you know, that's not my intent. So uh, it's going to be more of a rapid fire list, I guess would be a good way to put it. So uh, no means is, is what I'm, my list exhaustive. By any means is it exhaustive. Uh, it's, uh, God's word is, is, uh, not able for us to do that too. So, uh, we're going to start here in verse one and I'm going to read through verse 18. John one, it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of a light, of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, Full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. So again, um, I'm going to start in verse 1, and I'm just going to start pulling out just some truths that just encourage my faith in Christ. And uh, I, I hope it is encouraging to you as we go through this. And um, I think I had about 20 things that I pulled out of here. Um, I think there's about 20 things. And so... Um, when I said it's going to be a little bit rapid fire, it's going to be a little bit rapid fire, but that's okay. And I just, again, will encourage you, um, if something is, is just tugging at your heart as we go through here tonight, keep that in mind as I get to some questions at the very end of our evening together. Uh, first, uh, we're going to look at John 1, 1 and 2. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. There was three things in here. Uh, from those two verses that I pulled out and just uh, are reassuring, are wonderful truths, and comforting to my faith. And the first is this, that Jesus is eternal. 
Jesus is eternal. He was in the beginning. The second thing is that Jesus has a close personal relationship with his Father. And I love that where he says he was with God. That, is, that speaks of a personal relationship with the Father. And third, Jesus is equal with the Father. You see there in verse uh, in the verse one where it says, "And the Word was God." Uh, there is uh, equality in that statement. And as I look through uh, those two verses, I see that Jesus is eternal. He was in the beginning. Jesus has a close personal relationship with His Father because He was with God, and Jesus is equal with the Father because the Word was God. And then I jump down to verse 3. It says, All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. And while that sentence seems kind of redundant, it really, it really is not. Uh, when I look at that verse, I see this. Jesus is the Creator of all things. Nothing is without Him. Nothing exists that He did not speak into existence. And so when I look at verse 3 there, I just see that Jesus is the creator of all things. Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. You know, Jesus provides life and light, and that's something that from I see from that verse. Jesus provides life and light. You know, this is something that John emphasizes again in this section of Scripture, and he'll do it over and over again. But here John introduces us to the idea that Jesus Christ not only created everything and gave it life, but here John ties that life with the light of men. So we see not just this physical life being brought in man, but in understanding a spiritual life that man has, and that spiritual life is tied directly to the light. And we're going we're gonna to dig further into this idea, because sometimes people will start to look at that and go, oh, okay, well there's universal salvation. This is where this all thought might start coming into creeping into people's head. It's, it's the furthest thing from the truth, and John will very specifically point that out as we move through here. And look at verse 5. It says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. I read that verse, and I, and I think Jesus' light is unquenchable. There is no darkness that is black enough to dim the light of Christ. And again, and we'll see this later on, where John, in John, where darkness attempts to cover the light, but it's an impossibility. Not even the darkness of death could hold back the light of Christ. And so Jesus' light is, in, is, is unquenchable. And then we're going to look at verses uh, 6 through 9. It says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light. That all through him might believe he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Uh, three things out of these three verses. The first is this, Jesus must be talked about. Jesus must be talked about. I always recall Matthew 19 when I think of this verse. And you remember when Jesus is, is walking up the Mount of Olives and it says the whole host of disciples... We're, 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 we're cheering and they're crying out. It says, Blessed is the king. If you remember that, Matthew 19, it says, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, the Pharisees who were trailing behind, because they're always trailing behind, are like, Oh, no, you, you got to tell them to stop. You know, that, and the Pharisees look at Jesus and say, You got to tell them to stop. And you remember, do you recall 
Jesus' response is, even if I told them to stop, what would happen? The rocks are going to, the rocks will scream it out. You know, so Jesus must be talked about. So you, you see Jesus, he has to be talked about. We should all be testifying the name of Jesus everywhere we go. John the Baptist clearly knew his role. He knew his role. He was there to bear witness of the light. The second thing we see there in these verses is that Jesus must be believed. John the Baptist came to bear witness of the light for one reason. You see that? It's in verse 7. Through him, that all through him might believe. Jesus must be believed. John's purpose was to bear witness of the light so that all may believe in the light. And then finally, in that little section, um, Jesus gives, us, gives all men an understanding of their need. And sometimes we can kind of gloss over that a little bit in verse 9. But Jesus gives all men an understanding of their need. And that's the rub, isn't it? Because you want to know why mankind is accountable? It's right there. Jesus gives everyone a light of understanding. All men have a light of understanding. God's word says his creation is a testimony, and that testimony is enough. That's enough to condemn men for not believing. Just his creation is. Man has the light of conscience and knows right from wrong. And guys, this is not a statement of universal salvation. This is a direct rebuttal of that. It's a statement of need, and that need is to believe in the light of Jesus. John is abundantly clear here when he says that, was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. No man is without excuse. No man is without excuse. And that that should be weighty. That should be very, very weighty for us. Why? Well, because Jesus should be talked about. And why should Jesus be talked about by us? Same reason John was, to testify about the light. Why was he testifying about the light? So that all would believe. And so, why did that need to happen? Because the Creator King gave all men a light of understanding. They're without excuse. Uh, Verse 10, 10 and 11, it says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Jesus' general revelation does not guarantee salvation. Okay? Jesus' general revelation does not guarantee salvation. You see, the word came to his own creation, and his own creation didn't accept him. You see that? The word came to his own creation, and his own creation didn't accept him. Think about that. Do we, I mean... The world belonged to the Word, but the world didn't want the Word. You know, I, I forget where I read that somewhere. I, I know that's not my statement. I read that somewhere, but I do remember that vividly. The world belonged to the Word, but the world didn't want the Word. And that's, that's why we know this general revelation, the light that was given to all men that doesn't guarantee salvation, He walked right into his creation of people who had an understanding and refused and rejected that understanding. They didn't want to understand. They didn't want to know. They wanted no part of it. 
They completely disowned the light. And then we're going to jump to 12 and 13 here. It says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. There, now, listen, I, I put this down in my notes. This, those three verses of Scripture are so jam-packed with deep spiritual truth. Forgive me for putting a broad brushstroke on them. Okay, because I'm going to three-point this thing, and you could probably a million point that section of Scripture of just digging super, super deep. But there's three things in here. First is this. Jesus calls us to receive Him. Okay? Jesus calls us to receive Him. Jesus gives us the right to become children of God. And don't miss the grace part there. That's soaked with grace. Jesus gives us the right to become children of God. Third, Jesus' salvation is God's will for man, not man's will for God. Our salvation is 100% divine. It is 100% divine. Jesus' salvation is God's will for man. It's not man's will for God. Why do we know that? Because we didn't want any part of it. We wanted no part of that salvation until Jesus called us to receive us, to receive him. And in that call, he gives us the right to become children of God. And that is a grace-soaked statement. It is a grace-soaked statement. Again, that is a very broad brushstroke on three verses that I would highly suggest you spend months of study on. Months of study on. Verse 14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, three things I, I saw in this verse. Jesus' incarnation is incredibly humbling. You know, if we really think about this, and, and I know we have, and we've talked about this before. Uh, many, many men have talked about this uh, in this pulpit. Jesus became, or becomes finite in flesh and lived in a fallen sinful world in order for us to receive him. And I, the depth of my mind can't comprehend leaving what he left to come here. I can't, I can't fathom that. The perfection of a relationship and unity with his father. Uh, and he left it willingly. Left it willingly to wrap himself in flesh. And, and, to, and, to, and to dwell among sinful people. And all of that just to die a horrendous death for a, a creation that rejected the creator. I, I, I can't wrap my brain around that one. But here it is. That incarnation is so incredibly humbling. But on the flip side of it, as we read in here, Jesus' humility never masked his glory. Do you see that? We beheld his glory. We beheld his glory. And, and what was that glory? What was that glory? It was this glory as of the only begotten of the Father. So you see this this 
incarnation moment that's so incredibly humbling, coming into a sinful world, but that humility never masked the glory of Christ. It never masked the glory of Christ. In fact, it was so magnificent, John says we beheld it, and, it's, it's, and that glory is, is of the only begotten of the Father. It, they saw the glory of God walking among them. And the third thing out of that, Jesus is full of grace and truth. Jesus is full of grace and truth. Verse 15. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. This is kind of a, as I read this, uh, read this verse and I thought, what, it was, what is a great way to kind of make this um, an application for us? What, what's John doing? You know, here, John, John is bearing witness. We know that. We understand that. But when you read that, he goes, this, is, this was he of whom I said. John, John's, kind of, John's giving his testimony here of, of, of what's going on. This is, this is John's testimony. And, and so when I look at this, Jesus should always shine in our testimony. Always. Jesus should always shine in our testimony. No matter who or when or where we share our testimony, Jesus should always be paramount in that testimony. You know, we want people to walk away amazed at the work of Christ in our lives, not our lives. Does that make sense? And that's, that's, that's what John's doing here. He's like, this is who I was talking about. He's preferred before me. John had a, an unbelievably important role, did he not? I mean, he fulfilled prophecy to declare the Savior. But John is not putting himself on like, I'm the prophet that gets to declare the Savior. You don't read that ever from John. You read from John, I can't even unstrap the guy's sandals. That's my position in this. Because he is preferred. He is before and so you see John constantly pointing at Jesus Christ. And so for us, when we're given our testimony and the work of salvation of Jesus Christ in our lives is a wonderful thing. And, and we want to share that. And we want to talk about how Christ changed our lives. But make sure when we're sharing that testimony that Jesus is shining first and foremost in your testimony. Because without him, you have no testimony. I have no testimony. So we need to make sure that Jesus should always shine in our testimony. Verse 16, it says, And he, I'm sorry, and of his fullness we have all received grace for grace. You know, this, Jesus doesn't just give us grace, does he? He gives us grace upon grace. It's just grace and grace and more grace. In Ephesians, Paul writes about the exceeding riches of grace in Christ Jesus. Do you, I, you know, as I was working, uh, working on putting, um, you know, pen to paper here or fingers to keyboard here, uh, I was, I, I stopped and really thought about that. What, what, what are the, what is the exceeding riches of Jesus's grace? You know, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I really don't know. And I think that's one of those, those hidden things that we aren't going to know until we're in eternity with him. What exactly the <clears throat> exceeding riches of grace are. And certainly, 
think about how much grace we've received just to have faith, to have that relationship with Him. And that is grace upon grace, and that is a miraculous thing and a wonderful thing. But the exceed, Paul says it's the exceeding riches of the grace of Jesus. I don't know what that means. I really don't. <clears throat> I wish I did, because then I would tell you, and then I would know more about it, but I, I just don't know. It's just a, it's amazing. It's amazing to me to think about the exceeding richness of God's grace in Jesus in our lives. And, you know, what a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing. Um, that's going to take me to, to verse 17. It says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus fulfilled the law through grace and truth. And understand the truth of Jesus in my life and in your life and the exceeding riches of God's grace in Jesus in our lives. It allows us to fulfill the law's requirement through his death and resurrection. I suppose now we're getting a little bit closer to the exceeding richness of it. But the righteousness of Jesus has been imputed to us and we stand not guilty. I would say that's, that, that's getting pretty close to just understanding the exceeding riches of God's grace in Jesus. And apart from Jesus' fulfillment, we can't fulfill the demands of the law. The law demands perfection. We can't do it. Jesus comes in grace and truth. Jesus fulfilled the law's requirement through his death and resurrection. And that righteousness has been given to us and we're not guilty. That's exceeding richness. Exceeding richness of God's grace in Jesus for our lives. And finally, uh, verse 18. It says this, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. Jesus declares who God is. Jesus declares who God is. You know, the Father and the Son are so closely bound, and Scripture is telling us so closely bound in love and in unity that it is only the Son who's able to fully reveal to us who God is. And why is that? Well, it's because He is one with the Father. Without Jesus' work on the cross, we cannot have the right relationship with the Father. Without Jesus' work on the cross, we cannot have the right relationship with the Father. And Jesus is declaring to us who His Father is. First uh, John, and I'm going to close with this scripture here, is 1 John 4, 12-16 says this, No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. And His love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us. Because He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. And all that is possible 
because Jesus came and declared who his father was. And so, you know, again, rapid fire on that. I really encourage you, spend some time in just one of those verses, let alone the 18 verses, and, and, and just jump in and see how exceedingly rich God's grace is uh, for us in, this, in just this small section of Scripture. But just, just uh, three questions um, for you. Not, not challenges, just, just questions. Uh, my first one would be this. What Scripture do you look to to refresh, reinforce, and remind you of your faith in Christ? Where do you go? What scripture do you turn to? When you open up God's word and you go, I, I just want to refresh and remind and just reinforce the exceeding richness of God's grace in my life through Christ Jesus. Where do I go? Where do you turn to and just soak that in? Second thing, have you shared that scripture with anybody this week? Have you shared that scripture with anyone this week? And, and if not, why not? If not, why not? And third, how have you loved one another this week? How have you loved one another this week? And I'm not, I'm not, I am, but I'm not talking about your spouse. You should be loving your spouse, but, but that's, that's not what I'm talking about. How have you loved one another this week? And if you haven't, why not? Because you should be, right? We should be.